Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I'm on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And this is one of a special series of corona-related podcast-only episodes of the show that we're doing in order to help people dealing with corona and the COVID illness and dealing with parenting and divorce and other kinds of special issues for these unprecedented times. My guest today is Steve Kaplan. He's a CPA, ABB, MBA, financial professional. He's accredited in business valuation. His practice is in White Plains, New York, where he maintains a dispute resolution-focused practice. He provides business valuation, forensic accounting, and tax services in collaborative practice, mediation, arbitration, and litigation for matrimonial, estate, gift, economic damage, shareholder dispute, and merger and acquisition purposes. There's a very long list of associations, presidencies, and board relationships, Steve, that you've been on. I'm going to not go over that, but suffice it to say that I know from personal experience that you are have deep experience and working in a variety of of settings and that your your experience in the matrimonial divorce area is really wide and um, very, very helpful for people. So welcome, Steve. It's It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to help everybody today during these difficult times. And I think that, you know, there are there are so many, obviously people are dealing with real worries about health and challenges with co-parenting. But at the same time that we're dealing with all of this, our economy seems to be on a roller coaster ride. The markets are careening all over the place. And there's a lot of fear, not just about health, but a lot about financial health. And I'm wondering what you think, how, how should people think about that as they think about getting divorced and being in the middle of divorce, thinking about divorce with the uncertain economic times? Well, I, I think the key thing is uncertainty and how do you deal with uncertainty. And for those who take a look at, at their account balances, I personally have not even taken a look because I think that I've trained myself to set my investment portfolio to be diversified and to weather times like this. But for those people who are uncertain and start to take a look, I think that you can't make sudden reactions and take a look at balances today and think, well, everything's all doomed because balances do come back. Sometimes it takes a period of time. We have a number of seminal events in the last 20 years to take a look at. After 9-11, certainly there was a, a dive in the financial markets. And then 2008, 2009, we certainly uh, experienced a, a lot of uh, a downturn in the markets, but things have, have come back. So I think to look at things, there are questions of what to do short-term, meaning-term, and long-term. And for some people, it depends if they've set themselves up to have some funds on hand so that they could weather the storm and don't have to really worry about what the balance in their accounts are. Because if you're looking at retirement accounts, for instance, into long-term dollars, what the value is today, it really is not so critical if you're willing to accept the fact it's going to come back in time. The same thing if you consider, well, geez, the, the value of my house is plummeting right now. 
to a degree, it's really only relevant if you're looking to sell your house in the near term. If you're 10 years out, 20 years out, then what's really relevant is what the market looks like at the time of your exit. And many people do also time their exit to an optimal time in the marketplace, not right now to get out. So it really depends on how you're situated, what your concerns are, and uh, how you've geared your portfolio up in the level of understanding you have of finances. I think all those things come into play. I think what you're saying is a couple of things. One is that if you're, you're invested for the long haul, relax, like you, right? The assets that I have invested in, in the various markets for the long haul will very likely come back and to not look day to day and, and get too frantic about future planning in that way. That's one thing. Is that right? For sure. And, and in fact, it's been seen many times, people who tend to take action now and they tend to, to sell when the market's low then they really compound their problems, whatever. So the best thing is to sit tight. If you work with a financial advisor, speak to them. I'm sure that they're going to reconfirm why it is that your portfolio is set up a certain way and it's meant to be so that when certain assets go down, other ones go up, your portfolio might also be geared towards producing income. And to that extent, it's not as important with the value up and down. It's more important to understand whether the dividends are going to be coming through. I had a client just yesterday check as I was finishing a tax return for them, want to know what expectation was for income for 2020. And we reached out to their financial planner and their expectation was that the income should still be the same, even though the value of the portfolio has been fluctuating. So yes, all of what you said and giving you examples why it's also important to consider income, not just the values. Right. So looking at income, I think what you're saying is in the short term, you want to make sure that you're set up so that you have, like your client, enough income for the short term, as well as looking at the long prospect. Yeah. Cash flow is really what's important in the short term. I think that's what a lot of people need to make sure that they understand. And in fact, some of the things I'm sure we'll discuss in a little bit, but there's a borrowing programs, ways to get into your hands some money if you find yourself short, but all that speaks to need for some cash flow in the short term. That's really the, the, the key thing. Well, since you're raising it, what are some of the things that people can do if they're feeling, oh my goodness, I've been furloughed. I have all of these professional fees because this is after all a discussion about divorce and finances. What are some things that people can do if they need to bring some cash into their pockets sooner rather than waiting for the long haul? Well, first, there are a lot of benefits that are available right now that have been enhanced for unemployment purposes. So unemployment has increased. Not only are you going to get what you normally get from New York State, and they've increased benefits up to a 39-week period, but the federal government is also adding an extra $600 a week. So combined with what has been a traditional payment from the state of New York, there are some people who find out that on unemployment, they'll get something that's nearly equivalent to what they were earning in the regular job. Now, for a lot of people, that's not the case, but at least it's going to give them a good amount of money to help them see through things. So that, that's one quick and easy way just to help uh, tie you over. Uh, there are some people who are taking advantage of some opportunities if they're self-employed or they have a, a small business. There are some programs that have been set up through uh, the legislation that have been passed the last few weeks. So there's one program that's shortcutted and, and people refer to it as the PPP program. It's part uh, of the CARES Act that was passed just a, about a week and a half ago. PPP stands for Paycheck Protection Program. So there's some loans that are being made available if you have employees or you're self-employed. There's some loans that are being made available at very, very low interest rates and also includes a forgiveness component. 
that helps cover up to $100,000 of income prorated for two and a half months. But that's money as long as you spend it on compensation for employees or take that out as compensation for yourself. If you're self-employed, that's money that you would not have to pay back. So that's another way to help you uh, carry yourself. There's also opportunities right now to borrow from retirement accounts and then uh, pay it back later. That's one that gets me least excited, but it's important that people are aware that it exists because if you borrow that and you end up spending it, you don't have the easy way to replace it, then your retirement account balances will be lower at the point in time that you decide that you have to draw down on those accounts. But it certainly is an attractive option for some people if they find themselves in such a situation. The amounts that you can borrow have been increased. Also, if you're under age 59 and a half, which that's an important distinction because for people under 59 and a half, if you take money from retirement accounts, usually in addition to paying income tax, you have to pay a 10% penalty. That penalty has been waived now. So there are a number of tools that have been added on that tax front to help make it a little bit easier for uh, people to get a hold of some money. There's also some small amounts of money that will be coming to most people. So there's a $1,200 checks that are being issued to uh, many taxpayers. It does depend on your level of income, but if you qualify, those checks should be coming automatically from the treasury. If you file, when you file your tax returns, if you typically have a paper refund, it could take up to six or eight weeks to get uh, some of those monies because there's just so many checks the government can print at once. But if you've been doing direct deposit and payment as well of your tax balances, when you file your tax returns, those monies are going to be direct deposited into the bank account you normally use for tax purposes, and those monies should be appearing within the next few weeks. So that's something that will help people a little bit as well. So there's a little bit here, a little bit there, so a whole bunch of different sources. I'm Catherine Miller, and this is a special podcast-only episode of Divorce Dialogues, focusing on managing divorce and the coronavirus era. We hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast for similar episodes, as well as our regular shows in the coming weeks, and feel free to share it. And I am speaking today with Steve Kaplan about financial issues and how to manage some short and longer-term financial consequences of the pandemic and the financial uh, reaction to it. And Steve, I know that one of the big things that people are worried about are valuation issues. And so just to be clear, I mean, there's a a couple of different ways in which valuation is affected by the markets. You know, one of them has to do with just simple things like real estate, you know, and and changing values on the marital home or on, on vacation property, really hard to as a lawyer, I think, well, how are we supposed to think about that? And you know, so as a financial professional, how are we supposed to think about the value of intangible assets, businesses, and things like that, given that uncertainty and that change and what's going on in our lives? Well, I, I think it, it's definitely it's an important question. It's one that's been uh, coming up a, a lot with people. So starting with the house, I, I think it does depend whether you're going to be dividing assets now or at some point in the future. It might also uh, be that aside from when you're going to d- divide those assets, when you actually intend to sell a particular asset. So if it's a house, if you're not going to sell it today, what might be more important is what the value is at the time that hopefully you sell it. A, a typical case might be you're going to wait until the youngest child has graduated from high school, maybe went off to college. And after the first year of college, that's the time when you choose to sell it. So the value of the property might not be important today. Just inform you a little bit what you think you're going to have in total, but it's not the uh, the entire answer. The other thing I, I would say to that is even if you're going to sell a property today, sometimes 
what people do is sell a house and they're going to end up with each of the parties buying a smaller house for themselves. And remember, if you're selling a house into a lower market, you're also purchasing a property into a lower market. So the end result of all that might be that there's not really much harm because you've just transferred one lower valued property into two lower valued properties, but there's really been no diminution in terms of the overall value of housing because you're going to recognize true value later on when you sell it, when you sell those new residences. The other thing is even if you go to rental, it depends on what is taking place into the rental markets. And the same thing goes, in fact, for any of the spending that uh, people are doing and and looking at values of of their portfolios, intangible assets of portfolios, and you look at what's coming from it. Don't forget that right now, a lot of things you could acquire for less money because of supply and demand. So that plays into it. On assets such as a a business too, I think we should talk about that uh, for a bit. That's one that's I think is a big issue right now. And there's a concern, should you value it now or what happens if you had a cutoff date some time ago and now things have changed? So the issue with the business is very challenging right now. Can't necessarily say that the value of business is down by X amount. There's really no way to know. Value is predicated on what one believes are future cash flows. So typically what we do is we look at the past and we observe what's been taking place with the business and then we make reasonable adjustments for expectations of the future kind of related to what it was in the past. Right now, it's very difficult to say what those cash flows would be because many businesses are not functioning at all or in a much reduced capacity, but you don't know really if your customer base will continue to be there in, in the future. There's no way to know at this point in time. It will depend on consumer sentiment, who it is that you're buying from, who you're selling to. There's a, a whole bunch of, of things. So to do valuations now, Somebody could say, well, it's down 20%, 30%, 40%. A big part of it has to do with what one believes as far as assumptions. And you can change any number of assumptions and evaluations as far as cash flow or how much risk or what we believe growth assumption will be in the future. So it can be a, a lot of guessing. So I think one of the things that's helpful is to sit there and maybe look at a number of different assumptions and have your financial professional do analyses at all different levels of assumptions. So you start to see how sensitive valuation is to some of those things. I'd also point out that if you have concerns about value, your choice of process is also very important. Because if you're working through the court system, and the courts tend to look at one value attribute or statistic, I should say, so that I would have to come up with the value of a company, I say, I believe it's worth this much, and you produce reports to that. But the truth is that there's so many different things that go into value. And as I said before, based on those assumptions, you get different values. If you're working in a process such as collaborative or mediation, then the table that everybody's sitting in front of gives you an opportunity to look at all these variables and understand things and talk about the business and see what's taking place. Courts are not very well equipped to do those things. They're very well intended, but they don't have the time. They don't have the resources and just not the way the legal system is geared up. So the ability to choose a process and work with it to be able to explore different values, I think there's this tremendous benefit in that. And not only do we go over value, we talk about different ways to do with it so that maybe if everybody agrees that there's all kinds of uncertainty, then perhaps you want to go with the method, which is if as in one, meaning that should a business be sold at some point in the future or any asset, well, then that's the point in time you'll divide it. You'll agree on a formula, but you don't have to agree on a value today. But the most important thing is to understand that there's so many different attributes 
good business. And right now, there's no way to tell. We're really in the depth of the crisis. And so we don't know how quickly things will bounce back, what the overall financial environment is. So it's it's certainly an important consideration. And by the way, I'd have to say that most people tend to assume that value is down. There will definitely be some winners that come out of this. Some businesses will be worth more than before just because of the nature of what they do. They'll pick up some clients and, and so on. We've all noticed that uh, there are certain tools that people are starting to use. So, for instance, a lot of people are using the video platform Zoom. So the stock price in Zoom hit has really gone through the roof. And that's just an example of some things that people are starting to use now that weren't before. So all these are going to gain lots of attention and increase in value. So it's not always the case that value goes down. In some cases, it's going to go up. So again, there's no certainty. I'm Catherine Miller, and this is a special podcast-only episode of Divorce Dialogue focused on managing divorce in the coronavirus era. And I'm speaking today with Steve Kaplan. And Steve, you have so much valuable information. If people want to find out more, how can they get in touch with you? Well, certainly they they might want to start by going to my website. That's skaplancpa.com. They're certainly welcome to call me in my office at 914-733-7340. That's my direct line in my Uh, traditional office. I'm working at home as most people are these days, but uh, that number rings through to my home office. People could also send me an email at skaplan, that's S-K-A-P-L-E-N, at skaplancpa.com. I'd be happy to uh, answer questions people have, uh, steer them in the right direction if they're not sure where to go with certain things and explore any of the things that we've gone over today in greater depth or cover various other questions that you have. I recognize it's a difficult time for people just to be able to give you some answers, I think is very comforting and reduces a lot of the anxiety that I'm observing is out there. Yeah, and I think you made a really good point about a, a choice of process a few minutes ago before the, the break to introduce the show. And that is that people who are thinking about divorce you know, might take a different path or really, really seriously consider what path to take given the flexibility and maybe the creativity that as professionals we will have to put into divorces in the next few months or maybe the next few years, who knows? We really don't know. I just wanted to highlight that from from what you said, Steve, because I think that is really, really true. Yeah, definitely as a financial professional, one of the things I would describe myself and my work is really as a financial educator. So putting out information, giving you different ways to come up with a settlement. It's not my settlement. It's a settlement of those who are involved in the divorce or whatever dispute that that I'm working on, but give information, give it in an objective manner, help give you pros and cons and understand the things. But most important, understand that there's more than one way to look at things and help you see how everything comes together. I think that that's invaluable. And in these times, to be able to to do that and have those tools, I, I think is really something that's very useful. It saves time, saves money, but more important than all those things, I think the end result will be much better. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So in the last minutes of the show, I know there have been some changes to the tax code tied to the COVID pandemic. What's happened for people and and how can people take advantage of that that, with the change to the internal revenue code? Well, I mean, one of the first things we started talking about was that there's been those changes with retirement accounts. And so that does make a, a difference in how uh, people look at things, but one of the things that, that's changed beyond those uh, abilities to borrow is, is we have uh, requirements in the tax law that people have to start taking money out by a certain age, and those are called required minimum distributions. So one of the things that's taking place now is they've 
waive the requirement to pull money out in 2020. So if you're at the point in time where you do have the required minimum distribution, so that's uh, for the people who are in some cases it's age 70 and a half and other people it's actually age 72, depending on what, what your birth year was because there was a, a change in the law a year ago. It's something called the SECURE Act, but whatever the case may be, if you're required to take some money out this year, you now don't have to do that. So one of the advantages of that is you don't want to have to take out money when your account is at a depressed point. So if an account is down 40%, let's say, as an example, you take it out now, and let's say you don't even necessarily need it, but you'd be forced to because that's what the laws tell you that you have to do. So the ability to leave it in there then it lets it stay in there and bounce back to the, its uh, regular value. And so you can take out a later date. So that's something I think that that's uh, very helpful. And maybe the most important thing for some people right now, because there's a lot of anxiety out there, has to do with when you actually have to file your tax return itself. So we'll know that uh, April 15th is the traditional tax day for you to file your return and, and make payment. Some people do put their return on extension on April 15th, but you're still supposed to estimate ultimate tax liabilities and pay that on April 15th. Because a lot of people are not in a position to do so, they don't have access to information. They can't go to the offices to finish things up. Some other people who need to give them information are not available and so on. The Internal Revenue Service has now, actually through legislation and some regulations that they've done, you now have it up until July 15th to file your tax return, and that includes to make payments. So even if you have the ability to file your return now, you could even file a return today, but you don't have to make your payments until July 15th, so that's a big benefit. Those who make estimated tax payments, and the first one would normally be due on April 15th of this year, that is also postponed until uh, July 15th. So that, that's a big benefit to many people, so people don't have to worry about that. And Although the answer is different on the state-by-state basis, it's generally true that the states have also put off filing until July 15th and and also payments. I can say that in my practice area, and I'm practicing in New York, and I have uh, returns that I work on too that are in New Jersey and Connecticut. All those jurisdictions right now have gone to uh, July 15th. So wherever you have to file, just make sure, but that's one thing that... uh, you'll find very helpful. So it's something you don't have to deal with right away. And I think that's a relief to a lot of people. But that said, because some people hear that and say they're not bothering with it, I've been working with my clients where I expect them to be getting a refund. There's no reason to wait until July 15th. If you're one of those people who thinks that you need some money right now, complete your return. There's no reason, as long as all the information is available, there's no reason to not get your return done sooner. You'll have that refund sooner. But you have some options that way. And elect for direct deposit, I heard you say before. Well, definitely elect for direct deposit. That's a, a smarter thing to do in any event, because direct deposit, usually when I press that button and, and then a return is accepted within two or three days after that by the tax authorities, usually my clients ha- have their monies within two weeks, three weeks at, at the latest. In, in most cases, paper checks take that much longer. Since a lot of our discussion today was how to help people bridge the gap until things turn around. If you file, you have a refund, then why not do everything you can to get that money in hand as soon as possible? All right, Steve Kaplan, thank you so much for being our guest on Divorce Dialogues. It's been a real pleasure, and you've been a font of information. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and your audience. Stay well, stay safe. Stay safe yourself.